Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Jordan Canellis. Jordan, the weekend's action probably provided the most entertaining round of football we've seen in the Northern Football Netball League in season 2019. Storylines everywhere. The top flight basically turned on its head with some of those upset results. Contenders emerging in A plus Labor Solutions Division Two and Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three has a new look top four, particularly given the result that took place between Heidelberg West and South Morang. But it really was a weekend that I think when we go forward and get to finals, we'll look back at this one and it might be the turning point in the season. Yes, thanks for having me again, Samuel. You're right, Division 1 uh, this weekend just gone. Round number 8, we've come back from the bye from the Queen's Birthday weekend, uh, which in itself had a lot of controversy, which we spoke about in the last episode. But um, this this round just continued on with that, that sort of theme. This is turning into a landmark round for uh, for Division 1 in particular. There are maybe what, probably one result in both Division 2 and Division 3, which we'll talk about in depth. You mentioned Heidelberg West and then the game that we called on the weekend, the uh, the Eltham-Thomastown game. But Division 1, right from, from top to bottom, well, almost top to bottom, not quite top, Greensboro on top continued with their form, but pretty much from below Greensboro all the way through on the Division 1 ladder, all those teams had... Um, results which just completely went against the grain of what we've seen so far in the season. Most of the teams in the top five lost or drew in the case of North Heidelberg and the teams in the bottom half all had uh, crucial wins which now makes the Division 1 ladder tighten up a little bit more and the start of the season we said look at the gap between the top five and the bottom five and the quality of football. Uh, now that's been flipped, the middle part of the table. It's it's turning into a log jam, which you normally see at the start of the season, but here we have it now in the middle of the year, which makes for great entertainment. Absolutely. So round eight just played out in the top flight. If you go from uh, the team that was placed seventh through to the play- team that was placed tenth, all of those got at least a draw in round eight. So it's pretty remarkable. And now... After eight rounds, from fourth down to tenth, just two wins and percentage separating those sides. It means that getting to the halfway point, which we do this weekend, and, and then going beyond that, games just become so crucial because sides that are aiming for finals also are wary of relegation. Mm. And those that are aiming at even a lower lower place inside the top five potentially can be thrown into the top three mix as well and, and perhaps get a double chance. So it really is going to be an entertaining run in towards the finals. Huge, I guess, ramifications for some of those results and all of a sudden there's a, a massive logjam that we didn't think was going to happen maybe only two weeks ago. And it kind of, um, it sort of reaffirms, I think, what we were thinking at the start of the season, before the season began, which never really eventuated in the first month and a half, is that we looked at this Division 1 season, 2019, as being one of the closest we've ever seen. We had teams right throughout, had built great squads. Lower Plenty hadn't really recruited too much, but we know they had a good squad with a lot of top-line players coming up into Division 1. Uh, a lot of other teams had recruited uh, recruited really well, like Greensboro. Montmorency had the Gary Ramsey factor. McLeod were going to change. We knew that. They had players going out, new coach coming in. Northcote Park looked like they'd settled their squad. We were looking at this season going, gee, this is going to be the most even season. There's probably about eight or nine teams who can make finals. It didn't really eventuate over the, the first month, month and a half, but now we are getting to that point. Now those teams that had started the season slow and now catching up to the pack. And, and finally, it's taken a, a, slu- a sluggish start to, for us to get here, but now we are seeing... And it's only been one or two weeks of of, um, of different results, but now we are seeing that, that close Division 1 that we predicted. And, and now we just don't know 
who's going to win on, on any given week. When you have a result, for example, like Lowell Plenty beating Heidelberg, I mean, no one would have seen that coming, but it just sort of, yeah, it, it, it makes it exciting, as I said, and uh, any result can happen now. Before we go with a, a fine comb through Meadows Greyhounds Division 1, is there one particular result across the entire weekend that caught your eye the most or, or perhaps a, a highlight from, from right throughout the weekend's action? Uh, it's hard to split them. Um, I, I think it would have to come from Division 1, even though the game that we saw uh, on the match of the day in Division 2 was, I think, pretty monumental in, in the shape of the Division 2 season. Um, I would probably have to go with a Division 1 game. I, I, probably the game that I just spoke about. Either Lowell Plenty over Heidelberg or, or Hurstbridge getting a win over Bundura as well. Um, in fact, that might be the game. I think Hurstbridge winning against Bundura because it goes both ways. Lowell Plenty's win over Heidelberg. It's a it's a, it's a a blow for Heidelberg, but it doesn't derail their season too much or it doesn't really set it off course that much. Whereas Hurstbridge's win over Bundura, it's not the first time we've seen Bundura play under par this season. Um, and, and Hurstbridge now, they're, they're just a bit still a bit ahead of uh, of the bottom two, so they're, they're within touching distance, and it, that kind of swayed, I think, the momentum of the middle of the table in Divi 1, so it had ramifications, heavy ramifications, for both the Bridges and the Bulls. Absolutely, I think it's amazing to think that Bundura's now lost their pass two at home against uh, Wolf a couple of weeks ago, uh, went down to McLeod, who hadn't won a game at that stage, and then last week or on the weekend just gone losing to Hurst Bridge games that Yulong Reserve's always been a, a, a fortress and, and ground that's very hard for away sides to come away with the points suddenly there's, there's opportunities for those sides who are travelling there I think uh, right throughout the league I mean we talk we often focus so heavily on, on the men's competition but amazing what happened in the, the women's competition over the weekend where the VU Western Spurs of course we know they have three sides in our competition one in each of the divisions all three played at home at Henry Turner Reserve all three won convincingly did not concede a single score in the three games combined. Remarkable stuff. The Division Three side started with a 59-point win over Hurstbridge, 59-0. to Division Two side backed that up. They won by 72 points over Heidelberg, 72 to zip. And then the Division One side, they are romping through the season so far. Seven successive wins now, 180-point winners Whoa. over Bendigo. Of course, Bendigo this year is a very different-looking side to the one that's won the past two yeah. grand finals, and they just could not contain um, uh, VU at all in that in that game. Taylor Moss, Caitlin Brown, and Jasmine Maljevac combined for 13 of their side's goals. But remarkable effort to have all three sides get a win and to not concede a score over three games. That's a, a day to remember for everyone at the yeah. Western Spurs. Yeah, well, we know they're a powerhouse. They make grand finals of some description most seasons uh, in in the NFNL, and uh, and they've pretty much kept on kept that rolling. Maybe not not as uh, as well. They've certainly uh, I think proven us wrong in terms of how powerful they actually are. We thought they were good, not that good, but that's a good week. Yeah, them. <laughs> well, their Division One and Division Two sides both undefeated at, at this point of the year, and this weekend all three sides at home again. So West Preston Lakeside mm. travels there in Division One. Altham in Division 2, and, and in Division 3, it'll be uh, Reservoir. So those three sides, you'd, you'd, you'd travel with some <laughs> trepidation, wouldn't you, after, yeah. after seeing the results from the weekend that's just gone. Jordan, we're going to now go through Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. Before we go through, we'll uh, just look back at all the results as they stood from the weekend's round of action. It was a, a telling weekend. I guess it was the, the split round uh, of some description has uh, been... Uh, 
Uh, made pretty well uh, known publicly. North Heidelberg 11.571 drew with McLeod 10.11.71. That was over the Queen's birthday weekend. More recently, Northcote Park 8.250 lost to Greensboro 21 goals 8.134. West Preston Lakeside secured a second straight win 14.12.96 to Montmorency 11.470. Lowell Plenty with a massive upset 12.577 downing Heidelberg 10.13.73 and Bandura 10.11.71. Lost to Hurstbridge 13987. We've obviously already looked over the, the wins for both Hurstbridge and Lowell Plenty, but significant obviously the results big, but also the position they had to come from within the game to, to win that. Lowell Plenty kicked the first two goals of the day and, and were up and about. Heidelberg responded with the last four of the first term, then kicked um, one early in the second as well. So at one stage it was you know five goals to three and you just thought that, that Heidelberg would, would go on and, and, and win. But um, Lowell Plenty just wouldn't relent. At one stage during the final term, they kicked four successive goals, got back within uh, within a kick of the lead. Sam Grimley kicks a goal and you think Heidelberg eight points up, they probably go on to win with five minutes or less than five minutes of uh, on the clock, so to speak. And then Corey Sleep steps up, takes a massive hanger, kicks his sixth goal, shortly followed up by a goal from the pocket by Maddie Duckworth, and Lowell Plenty records a four-point win. Remarkable that they're two wins. They've had to come from, well, I wouldn't say impossible positions, but pretty tough positions, remembering back in round one, their last win, conceded at the first seven goals against Montmorency and, mm. and then scored a, a vital win. So incredible there. And then Hurst Bridge, I mean, six goals to one down, you're probably thinking it's not going to be our day at all today. But that's a remarkable comeback, 12 goals to four thereafter. And to win by three goals, I mean, it was you know amazing how, how heavily that game changed. And all of a sudden, the Bridges, well, they're in finals contention ahead of a, a massive game against West Preston Lakeside this weekend. Yeah, the uh, the win direction changed uh, in, in a big way in Division 1 on the weekend. Lowell Plenty, uh, as you said. I mean, the Heidelberg, I mean, we've... I, I, I know my impression of Heidelberg this season is a negative one because the only live game we've seen them was when they got uh, got towed up by, by North. Um, and now we've seen this on the weekend. I mean, their, their season has been much better than what we give, give them credit for. They've been fantastic, the Tigers. But questions, I think, have to be asked as to what went wrong on the weekend. Was it personnel? Was it injury? Was it... Um, whether they have the right players, and I know they had a couple of changes, but not too many on the week, and that would have really thrown uh, the the twenty two off kilter. But um, surely something had to have happened there, um, men- mentally perhaps. Is the mentality there? I know they're a young team. Had a, had a few significant outs. Jack Blair didn't play. Matt Ketchin and Chaz Sargent. So you put probably one of those in the side, and you think yeah. they're probably worth at least the goal. You would have thought. So that's obviously a significant blow but I guess every side no one ever has their best side in the park as well and you'd think even without those given the fact that Lower had lost a week earlier by 93 points to a West Preston side that hadn't won a game you still would have thought that, that Heidelberg gets across the line but it's, it, it is funny because you're right you said it at the start it doesn't actually derail Heidelberg's campaign it's it's don't get me wrong it's a blow that they, I'm sure they would much have preferred to won that game but remarkably that they stay in the exact same position they were in yeah. and now this weekend have another opportunity to open up a six point break in, in second spot, given the fact they play North Heidelberg. It doesn't really uh, affect their percentage either, which is already at a healthy 167, oh, I think. Absolutely, so, yeah. Um, it's funny, though, you mentioned Chaz Sargent didn't play on the weekend. I think he's missed both games that Heidelberg have lost, because he didn't play that You're spot on. North Heidelberg game, yeah, so yeah. maybe he's the maybe he's the uh, the key to the Tigers' fortune. hasn't kicked less than three goals since, I think it's round one, so he's mm. in good, you know, great goal-kicking form. Um 
West Preston Lakeside, they're the reigning premier. They're currently in ninth position. Two wins, six losses. Percentage is less than 2% worse than Northcote Park in fifth. I mean, we, I think everyone had probably written them off at, at Norton Six and just weren't playing good footy. But that percentage booster at against Lowell Plenty two weeks ago was vital. Gave them the win. It boosted their percentage. Now they've come from behind to beat Montmorency. Very accurate Montmorency, it has to be said as well. Nine goals straight at halftime, the Magpies had kicked. West Preston, 6-7. So they trailed at halftime, perhaps having had the better chances at scoring. And still managed to, to go on with the job in the second half. West Preston came from behind. Ahmed Saad kicked six. Jackson Clark kept Paddy Fitzgerald to just one goal, which was kicked late in the game. All of a sudden, I mean, they play Hurstbridge this week. It's uh, Suddenly, it's a, it's a fixture I think most eyes are going to be on. You wouldn't think it when it's seventh versus ninth, but the Roosters win that. They're potentially only a game outside of the five, and... Given the fact that they've had a really tough draw to start, their first six games were all against sides in the top five, just opens up for them this weekend absolutely massive. And you have to say now that there's no side that you could say couldn't play finals. Lowell Plenty is going to find it the hardest, given the fact that they have just come up to the, the, the grade. They're obviously missing Paddy Flynn, who we're not even sure if he's going to come back and play this year now. Tom Keyes, it was good to see him play a really good game against Heidelberg. But West Preston at 2-6, and six, I mean, all of a sudden, they're right back in the finals mix. But it's a massive game against Hurstbridge this weekend. I don't want to heap too much... Um pressure or praise on, on one player because it is a team effort and um, not everything rests on the shoulders of one guy, but <laughs> I reckon West Preston's season is being just clung onto by the efforts of Ahmed Saad and what he's been able to do this year. He's second in the goal scoring, one behind Shane Harvey. He scored 35 goals uh, for the season. He scored six on the weekend. There was a game in the start of the year, I think he kicked all their goals or all bar one of their goals back in round one or two. That's been the case most season, most most of the season, I beg your pardon. Um, 35 goals. West Preston have scored 91 goals this season. So he's scored, what's that, just over, just under half of, of West Preston Lakeside's score this season. So if they didn't have him, they would be in, in, in real strife. I know they'd probably look at other avenues because when you've got a guy like Ahmed Saad, you'd, you'd be pretty Ahmed Saad focused. But um, there is there is a lot of reliance on Ahmed Saad at the moment. And... Most of the best defenders in the competition can't beat him. There's there's rarely been a defender. Ryan McGee did a good job on him in the finals last year, but there's uh, there's many many defenders who can't stop him. So he is he is crucial to to West Preston's plans this season, um, and 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 he's hopefully for him his sake and for the Roosters' sake going to carry on that form throughout the um, throughout the rest of the year. But there's a lot lot of other factors that go on around Ahmed Saad, and I just wonder what Rob Majorana, the coach of the Roosters, has changed in the last couple of weeks and, and what he's been able to tweak to actually start getting these results. They are getting some better players back on the park. There's, there's no doubt about that. In recent weeks, the last two wins, Aiden Tilly's been back in the side, had a, a really good impact in both games. Um, Sam Glover played at the weekend. He's been in really good form at VFL level for Collingwood, named in the best in three of his four games for the VFL Pies. They had a bye at the weekend, so he came back, played well. Garrett McDonough played on the weekend. Uh, Michael Marotta back in the side as well, who's played some, some VFL footy. So the, the, the names on the park are are certainly going to help, and blokes like Oscar Usel having a really good year as well. You mentioned Saad, Jackson, Clark as well. So suddenly, when you're talking those names playing good footy, it, it goes a long way. Did on the weekend, uh, Kovacevic, unfortunately, he's he's just having a, a yeah an injury plague season, which is really sad. Obviously, he was a player that 
took the finals by storm last year, took the competition by storm in about nine games. Yeah. Obviously, his month in the finals was played a big factor in winning the premiership. So he's back out of the side. Liam McVeigh didn't play at the weekend as well. But when you, you know, I mentioned those names previous to that. I mean, they're, they're when they play well. Um, it goes a long way. So if we talk about them as being in finals contention, we mentioned Hurst Bridge, and if I can just go on to, yeah. I guess, McLeod as well, because Mont, it's funny, the sides in fourth and fifth of Bandura and Northcote Park looking very vulnerable. Northcote Park's lost its past four, all by margins greater than nine goals. Bandura, as we said, all of a sudden aren't winning games at home. Montmorency's in sixth. They've had opportunities at, at multiple times in the year to win games that would have propelled them inside haven't been able to complete that so we're looking at the moment at side 7, 8 and 9 and I guess McLeod has to be in the mix now they've uh, got two wins and a draw from their last four games and we saw them against North Heidelberg a few weeks ago if they apply that uh, that mentality and, and that aptitude throughout the game in future weeks, you'd imagine they're going to beat some more sides around them. So all of a sudden, there's a potential that sides 7th, 8th and ninth might be the ones we're looking at as potentially projecting up the ladder if, if sides like Bandura and Northcote Park can't get out of the funk that they're currently in. Yeah, McLeod moved the ball really well uh, when we saw them in that draw two weeks ago um, and, and getting a few of their players back as well, which always helps. But to your point though, Bandura and Northcote Park, I mean, they are sitting in 4th and 5th. They've been in the top 5 for most of the season so far, but those... Those two sides, the Cougars and the Bulls, are looking like the two most out-of-form teams in the competition right now. As you said, McLeod's had favourable form in the last month. West Preston, two wins in a row. Lowell Plenty have got two wins now from the last uh, month or so. Hurst Bridge uh, sitting in seventh. Um, those teams, they look like the ones that are going to go up the ladder. And Bandura, North Capar, I mean, especially the Cougars, they, their season has been a real disappointment. Four games, uh, four wins, four losses. Most of those four wins came in the front half of well, yeah, they what they played so far. won the first four by an average of about seven goals. And you look at their last four, look at the scores they've kicked. 24, 65, 56 and 50. Conceded 106, 118, 121 and 134. So scoring's dried up. That's they nuts. cannot stop sides from scoring against them. And it seems to be really late in games that sides are really getting a hold of them. We saw Heidelberg do it last week. Obviously Greensboro at the weekend. North Heidelberg did it going back to round five when they piled on. Uh, something like 12 goals in the final 30 minutes as well. So it's a worry. I know they've got some key players out, but at the weekend still had the likes of Close and Stasevic, uh, Kyle Galloway, Charles Lafanu. Most of those players actually had a, a big impact. Didn't have Bronick Davies, Nick Carter, and uh, and also um, Jordan Perry. But with the talents on the field, I mean, it's it's a pretty significant loss. Only 10 scoring shots, and, and Greensboro, we'll, we'll get to them in a, in a few moments' yeah. time, but gee, they're, they're all conquering at the moment. And let's look at the numbers here for Northcote Park. So these are these are the last quarters for Northcote Park that they've conceded in goals, just by goals. Uh, 10 goals against North Heidelberg in the last quarter, uh, back in round five. Round six, six goals against Montmorency. Round seven against Heidelberg. Uh, seven goals in the last quarter, and then on the weekend, another seven goals against Greensboro. So, yeah, 10, 6, 7, 7. That's, they are massive last quarters. Um, it might be... I mean, you can also maybe factor in that 25% of that would be just Northcote Park giving, just drop, throwing the towel in and other, other teams just rolling over the top of them. But still, um, you know, on some of those occasions, they have been sort of in the contest. Um, but that's... You can't be conceding that those sorts of scores... And even like team totals, I mean, 21-8 on the weekend, 18-13 the weekend or the round prior, there's a massive scores to be conceding. There's obviously something going wrong in, in the back half of uh, of of the, the field there for Northcote Park. And 
probably reiterates the point that they haven't really had a, a proper big monster key defender in the team for a little while. They got Damian Galafari back this season, but um, too much for, for one man to handle. And we talk of the side that uh, did defeat them at the weekend, Greensboro. We're just probably running out of good things to say about them. I mean, now the we talked about the weekend being full of upsets, but the side that's proven themselves to be the best over the opening two months confirmed that again at the weekend. Eight and zip, 942 points for... 420 against. We talk about how even the, the competition is. They are 8 and zip with a percentage of 224. And given the fact that they've beaten you know sides like North Heidelberg, Bandura, North Park, all inside the top five pretty convincingly, uh, you have to wonder who's going to be the side that, that steps up and, and becomes the major challenger because at the moment they are looking all-conquering. We, we thought North Heidelberg were going to be the major challenger and they showed them up at Shelley Park as well. Uh, a few rounds ago, we thought North North Heidelberg had the best um, the best matchup in terms of you know the the players on the park, uh, you know tall defenders, tall forwards, the midfield that can go with them, but they didn't on the day, and and so now it really is a question of of who is the next best. I don't think they have played Heidelberg yet. They play them not mid, yet. Yeah, the year. I haven't haven't played them, so that's going to be the challenge. Yeah. I still think North Heidelberg's the one. I mean, they're yeah. playing the absolute best. Jesse Tardio didn't play that game. I know it was. A convincing difference still in the end, but um, yeah, that I, th- I think at the moment they're they're a long way clear, and, and they've shown that by you just look at the points on the ladder, they've bro- broken open by two games, and it just means that potentially in the back half of the year you can start managing players because you know you've potentially got first spot sealed up. So still a bit of work to do to get there, but you think at the very least they're they're going to finish top three and give themselves the best chance at, at winning a premiership since they played off in successive grand finals in 2014 and 2015. Six out of their eight scores this season, Greensboro, have been over 100 points. The next one below that was 99, and then below that was 70 points against McLeod in round four, which I think might have been a rainy day as well. Yeah, well, they kicked 17 behinds between their first and second goal that day, so probably doesn't help the cause either. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the scoring power, and that's a big shift from what we've seen in the past from Greensboro. We know that they've been a really defensive team. They've always had one of the best back sixes going around with Nick Riddle back there and Jack Johnston and Dan McLennan when he's been able to get on the park. Um, but now they are sort of transitioning or, or adding on top of their good defence, adding the, the attacking element and the goal-scoring element, which hasn't been seen for the Borough for a couple of years now, but they're doing it better than any team probably has in, in recent years. And it's amazing. We talk about how damaging they are forward. They don't have a player inside the top five leading goal scorers. Mm. Um, their leading goal kicker is Andrew Stullis, who's got 16 goals, going at two goals a game. Just really share it around. It just makes them so hard to, to stop when they go forward because there's so many avenues there. Really big games to look forward to this coming weekend. McLeod at home at Dewington Park up against Northcote Park. McLeod's had a great record against Northcote Park in recent years. Some really, really one-sided wins there. So they potentially start favourite despite that game there pitting the side that's eighth up against the side that's fifth. But on recent form, you really think the Cougars have to start favourite there. Greensboro at home to... The Kangaroos. The Kangaroos, sorry. Uh, with, no, I'd be tipping them though, yeah, Cloudy. Yeah, absolutely, a- absolutely. I think with, if they show, if they play as they did against North Heidelberg, well, wins are certainly coming up for them. Mm-hmm. Greensboro is at home to Montmorency. Will Mont certainly a, a big challenge there, but they'll have to uh, show something because they've had some opportunities to go in the five and, and have slipped up. Lower plenty against Bandura suddenly. I mean, Lower plenty is certainly playing better footy at home. It becomes a danger game for Bandura, and then the 
two, the, the last two, I mean, as I said, really, really big games. Heidelberg at home to North Heidelberg at Warringal Park. That's the reverse fixture, remembering North Heidelberg convincing winners the first time those sides played back in round four. And Hurstbridge against West Preston Lakes. I'm actually looking forward to calling this one. I know it's two sides outside of the top five, but both playing good footy over the past three weeks. Hurstbridge, three of the last four games they've won. The loss was to North Heidelberg, where they only went down by 17 points. West Preston, well, they are starting to make their charge. So there's certainly potentially space for for even both of these two sides in the finals if they're good enough. But also the repercussions are for the loser. Relegation still very much a, a big threat as well. So massive game and some really good action coming up this weekend, Jordan. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the uh, the Hurstbridge team at the moment. It looks like a good side. I mean, they've always had a good team. They've um, they've they've had experienced players in there. They've had players that have won premierships at, at other clubs in Division One before. Um, Cameron Cloak's been brought back in. Hasn't quite exploded in the way that we thought he might have, but he is adding though. He scored four goals in three games. Takes the best defender every week as well. Yeah, which which always helps the other forwards and guys like Nick Milne have, have had a good season and a few others as well. So a Cooper Perrin as well as as been outstanding for for the Bridges. So um, probably helping out in, in other ways. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this game and. Um, if West Preston Lakeside, if they can get some of those top-line players back in absolute top form like they were at the back half of last season, then it should be a high-quality game as well. And then on Montmorency's, um, from Montmorency's point of view, when uh, when they take on... Uh, who have they got? Greensboro. Greensboro, that's right. Um, that has That's come at the worst time, that fixture, because they've got Greensboro and North Heidelberg in two of their next three games. I think they've got the bridges wedged in between that, but they're playing two of the top three sides in the next three games. So at the time of the season, and, and you mentioned the games that they should have won over the last couple of weeks, which they didn't, and now they've got the heavyweights to come up, this could almost, not quite maybe, but just go 90% of the way of burying their season. So we'll uh, we'll certainly look forward to the action coming up. We're now going to be joined by the coach of the Hurstbridge Football Club, Jared Tilly, ahead of a massive game for his side against West Preston Lakeside. Now joined on the NFNL podcast by the coach of the Hurstbridge Football Club, Jared Tilly. Hurstbridge, of course, coming off one of their better wins in recent times, coming from behind to defeat Bandura away at Yulong Reserve. Jared, I'd imagine it's a really satisfying victory. Obviously, yourself and, and many of the coaching staff at Hurstbridge have previously been involved at Bandura, but given what this means for, for your club's campaign, can you just take us through what, uh, what your reaction is to, to that win over the Bulls? Um, yeah, it was uh, very, very exciting for a lot, a lot of the boys. Obviously, uh, Hurstbridge has never beat Bundura before, so that was a first. And uh, to not many times before in Division One, we uh, actually won two games in a row. So to get off to a slow start, we thought uh, that they they always do start well, Bundura, but we knew that we uh, if we could hang in there, that the tide would uh, turn for us. And yeah, we uh, slowly pegged it back and. I think half halfway through the third quarter, we finally hit the lead and there, uh, yeah, um, run away with a. I think it was a sixteen point win in the end. So it was a massive win to the club, which was was great. You talk about obviously having to hang in there, six goals to one down. I don't think there's too many visiting sides that would come from that position to get a win away at Bandura. Was there anything in particular that you tinkered with that was able to to get you back into the game and, and back within four points by half time? Um, we we just sort of thought all, all everyone had to uh, play a lot closer to their man. We're getting a uh, beat out of the stoppage a lot. Um, 
we were still getting our hands on the ball, but we were uh, we we made a lot of turnovers in the first quarter. So we just try to the little things that we could control. We sort of we thought we could uh, fix up, and yeah, as we we were getting the hands on it, but we we're just making too many mistakes at crucial crucial areas, missing missed some easy goals in the first quarter, so we couldn't even get back to the small ball pressure on them. But just little things like that. Um, our, our matchups were going going well. We weren't getting beat by too too many of them. They were sort of it was a group effort to uh, get back in the game. Really, that was good. Obviously, it's a big win. You talked about the fact that you've been able to put together now successive wins as well, having beaten McLeod prior to Queen's birthday. But your last month of footy, you've won three of the four games. The only loss was a three-goal defeat to North Heidelberg, where you probably played quite well in that one as well. But how have you been able to turn things around after making that slow start where you're Norton four and suddenly, I guess, everyone's probably thinking, you know, relegation battle looms again. But what's happened in, in the last month to you go from basically being, you know, bottom to ladder to all of a sudden now just a game outside of the top five? Yeah, well, we always thought it was going to take a little a little bit this year as we had a, few, a lot of new players come into the club and then we also had a lot of players that, Missed a lot of footy last year. As Cooper Perrin missed nine, nine. I think he played the last game, but missed nine weeks prior to that, and then missed the first uh, five weeks this year with a stress fracture in his back. So he's missed a lot of football. Obviously, Jack Furlong didn't play at all. I think he played one game last year. Come back this year, and obviously, it takes time to get up and going again. With also the introduction of a lot of new players back to the club, so. It's taken a while to gel and a while to yeah get things going. You can do as much pre-season as you want. But that actual game, getting getting them games playing together, it was always going to take take a while. So hopefully, it's starting starting to grow and they're starting to know each other's strengths and weaknesses a lot more. And just everyone seems to be gelling a lot better better together over the last you know as you said last last month of football. It's been uh, pretty consistent from our end, so it's been good. Jared, tell us about some of those uh, some of those younger players, those newer players that have uh, come into the team this year. There's a lot of older, uh, experienced players, a couple of former AFL names that we've that we've seen in the in the Bridges side for the last couple of years. But um, some of the newer guys who have been able to make an impact on your your team this year, and who are they, and what have they been able to to add to the team? Um, well, obviously Cooper Perrin, he's. Uh not new, but obviously he had missed a lot of football last year. He's, a, he's been a, a forward that moves up the ground onto the wing that's uh, been pretty lively the last last few weeks. Um, he's uh, kicked kicked a few goals, which has been handy. Mitch Dale, another young 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 guy, has been uh, probably his most consistent year of senior football. He's managed. I think he's played every, every game so far. He's only twenty one years old. He's um, He's really starting to find his feet at the, the top level. Once again, there's another player who missed a lot of footy last year through through injury, so he, he's been really good. And uh, obviously, Bat- Bailey Jordan's come across from... And he's a Hurstbridge junior, but it, so he's obviously come back. And, uh, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a big guy. He actually, he actually reminds me a bit of a young, young Cam Quake, the, way, the size and the way he moves. So he's uh, he's been going really well for us at yeah, full forwards and half forwards. So... They've all uh, fitted in quite well. 
you mentioned Cam Cloak there, obviously back at the club now, he's played the, the last three games. I guess his, um, his presence means that he probably commands the best opposition defender. It probably provides opportunities really for, for those around him. And I know you've, in recent weeks, I know Bailey came back at the weekend, Bailey Jordan, but you've still got to get Jack Donnelly back into that side as well. But I'm sure just the presence of having Cameron Cloak out there helps those, those forwards around him. Yeah, just his presence is, is massive and uh, the, the knowledge and experience that he shares now with, with uh, a lot of our, our young forward lines, sort of, he's um, he's taken on board since he's been back and he's really, really helped set them up and I think they're really getting a lot out of it to understand, yeah, just running patterns and where to stand and he's, uh, as you know, he's a beautiful kicker. A lot of the boys on their, their goal kicking as well before and after training and just yeah just you can't buy experience but players like that he's as you said earlier he's one of the players that yeah has played AFL and it's been through the last 10 years I think it's been through the time Northern Footy League yeah, unbelievable player Tom, Tom Best and Ferris the leading goal kicker he's got all the accolades and yeah we're, we're pretty lucky to have him back and now now like at the end of sort of his career to be able to teach to teach our forwards the craft is uh, pretty good to have him back, that's for sure. Jared, what uh, what sort of efforts have gone into um, sort of cleaning cleaning the stable, I suppose, at, at Hurst Bridge this season? There was a bit of unrest, we understand, last year. There was coaching changes middle of the season. Players were coming and going. There was a bit of unhappiness around the traps. But this season, um, it it's, looks like it's starting to turn, especially on the field. I don't know how much of an influence you have in terms of off-the-field sort of stuff, but... Um, how important has it been to to try and uh, to iron out some of those wrinkles in amongst the club? Oh, it's, it's, it's of course it's important that you can say that the players don't get involved, but it's uh, it's, it's important. A happy club is uh, a good club, and obviously the club is growing and heading in the right direction. They've got 19s back, 198 back for the first time in a long time this year. Girls, a girls football team now and. For, for their ball side, so it's uh, it's definitely growing as a club. So um, the committee and and that this year have been been amazing to uh, what they what they've done already for the club. Um, yeah, it's it's travelling travelling really good. They've got some great sponsors on board, so it's uh, been great. And I think that yeah, now the clubs it's not just that. Yeah, that little club anymore. It's really starting to grow, and there's a there's a lot of people, a lot of people around, and a lot of people involved. So it's uh, it's it's a lot easier, definitely, when things are going smooth, and um, it's been really good so far this year, which has been great. So it's, um, hopefully, it can continue, and uh, yeah, definitely the s- support that's getting shown from the committee to the players, and, and that has been fantastic. And a really big game coming up this weekend. You take on West Preston Lakes. I don't know, on the ladder it's 7th versus ninth, but it is a, a really telling uh, match coming up. If you guys win, you potentially inside the five, maybe percentage outside. A loss could leave you you, you know, equal bottom potentially as well. It really is the traditional eight-point game, but how do you prepare for a West Preston Lakeside team, which we know are the reigning premiers. They're in ninth spot, but equally they've played some, some really good footy over the last two weeks as well. Yeah, obviously, um, I'll have a I'll have a bit of a look at West Preston tonight. Um, I was just speaking to our assistant coaches. Yeah, they, you get the feel that they're real, they're really starting to, <laughs> to really starting to get it right at the moment. Uh, really, really starting to get their 
he their straps and uh, push for that that finals spot. So they're a hard hard team to know who you're probably going to come up against with their VFL guys. But obviously, when they when they do have all them guys playing, they are they're a quality side. So we'll probably have to wait to a bit later in the week to find out who who they've got and who they don't. But um, even even without them guys, they've still got some yeah quality quality players in their side and. Obviously, being the reigning premiers, uh, we'll have to be, be at our best, definitely, to uh, to try and get the job done on on Saturday. Do you have any player who comes up to you and says they want to take the job on Ahmed Saad, or is there someone who's unfortunate and, and draws the short straw? Oh, no, we've we've got some uh, got some young kids who are, who are pretty keen to pretty keen to have a go. So uh, it was good. Uh, Riley Reading, obviously, done the job pretty well on uh, Shane. Shane Harvey a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's uh, he's probably the, the small small defender who will uh, get the first go. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. He's a quality player and seems like in pretty good form too. He's uh, got a got a few big bags the last few weeks, so he's definitely one player that you'll have to uh, slow down to to get the points this week. Well, Jared, well done on the win at the weekend and, and the real great uh, form reversal over the last month as well. It's great to see the club in a really good place. Obviously, it's a massive game this weekend and we wish you all the very best for it. Beautiful. Thanks for having me, guys. We now turn our attention to A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. Round 8 was billed as being a potential finals preview. We had the top four sides all take on one another. What emerged really is a logjam from, I guess, the sides second through to sixth. But I think what we really saw at the weekend, Jordan, was the top two sides flex their muscle and show that they are the ones to beat. Banyol, far too good for Whittlesey, winning that one there, 15-9-99 to 7-13-55. That one at the showgrounds, the Bears kicked seven goals to one in the first term, 11 goals to one at half time, and that one was... Well, looking at percentage booster, Whittlesey managing to, to close it up late. And we saw Altham equally dominant early against Thomastown. Went on for a pretty convincing 18 goals, 8-1-16 to 11-6-72 win. So Altham and Banyuls certainly showing that when they play their best footy, there's probably a gap between them and the rest. But other results also meant that, I guess, the fight for the finals place really tightened up with Diamond Creek winning away to Watsonia. Nine goals, 20-74 to 9-9-63 and the Fitzroy Stars just holding off St Mary's away from home 16-7-103 to 14 goals 10-94. Yeah looking at the table I sort of didn't quite realise how close it was because there have been a couple of dark horses in in Division 2 that are sneaking up on the top four that have been sort of embedded there since the the first month or month and a half of the season. Banyol, Eltham, Thomastown, Whittlesey being those clubs but now Fitzroy getting some a number of crucial wins. They've got a game in hand as well against some of those other teams. Um, Diamond Creek now 4-4, four and four, and they're level with Whittlesey on points, but still a, f- a fair way behind on percentage. Um, but but those three teams now level on points, which has just sort of come out of the blue, but it's also occurred probably as a result of Whittlesey not quite getting the results they would have hoped in, in some of their recent games. Um, I mean, they've they've had to fight and scrap against some of the other top teams and like what we saw on the weekend with Banyul, they were, as you said, down by about 10 goals at halftime. Um, uh, but they've, they've had a, a strange old season, the Eagles. They've, they've had a, a big change in the, uh, in the club, a new coach as well coming in. So it's a very, 
very non-traditional Eagles team to what we're used to uh, used to have seen over the last five years. Transitional year for them. But the Fitzroy Stars, I mean, we can talk about, and we will talk about Banyul, Eltham and Thomastown in a second, but Fitzroy Stars, I mean, they've, they're having a great season. They've had to have a resurgent season. Um, and... Uh, beating St. Mary's on the weekend. Good performance from St. Mary's, by the way, at, at Watmo Park to get as close as they did by about just under two goals. But uh, equally as important for Fitzroy to get that away win, um, which keeps them not just in touch, but, um, you know, with the next round, they could jump into that top five, yeah, the top no- four. knocking on the door, just percentage keeping them out at the moment. It was it's, it's interesting with the Stars. They started slow. And we talked about this in, in the most recent edition of the podcast when they beat Epping and it wasn't a convincing win but it was uh, an important one nevertheless and it's just about banking those wins after having a slow start to the year and at the weekend St Mary's took it right up to them John Hayes kicked four goals kicked the sealer with in the, in the last basically minute of the game a check side from the boundary line it was typical cla- classic John Hayes abso- fashion <laughs> absolutely it was an amazing goal and and sealed the deal where they were only up by three points prior to the kick so it was a, a, a telling win and, and we've talked about it for a while, but they've looked like the side outside the the four that probably has the most ability in terms of when they play their absolute best. And we saw them beat Altham in the last two weeks. Yes, not at their absolute best, but still getting the wins away to Epping and St Mary's and and knocking on the door now. I just had a weird thought, just to take us slightly off track a little bit. Is is John Hayes, and if he's not, who is? Is John Hayes the Eddie Betts of the NFNL? Well, he kicks heaps of mercurial goals, doesn't he? The, the other one that potentially springs to mind for me is Ahmed Saad. Just some of yeah. the goals we've seen him kick from pockets and whatnot that you just think that no one else can do it and, and done it on the big stage as well, in, in big finals as well. But, uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. You, you, certain plays, you, you give them the ball on the boundary and you almost expect them to, <laughs> to kick the goal. We were unfair when, when they don't put them through. But uh, I think those two have kicked... You know the better goals we've seen consistently over over the past uh, however long it's been. So um, timely one as well to to kick it when he did because had he missed, gave possession back to St Mary's four points down and small ground go through the middle there and yeah. you can find a find a goal and it was a high scoring game where both sides you look at fourteen ten to sixteen seven pretty decent ac- accurate goal kicking there. So uh, a timely one. Stars get the win and they are knocking on the door ahead of hosting Watsonia this weekend. We look. Um, we, we talked from, from the outset about Altham and, and Banyul potentially, you know, oh, Altham, in, you look at where they are in the ladder and they've still got to work hard to, to hold on and, and get that top two finish at season's end. They're only percentage ahead of Thomastown at the moment, but having said that, they've played one fewer game than the Bears, but Banyul's so far ahead now, they're two wins and percentage clear on top. We'd imagine, I think most people would imagine that if they don't finish first, that at the worst, they're going to be second on the ladder and going to take a double chance into the finals but uh, I think casting ladder positions aside casting everything else aside what potentially can happen I think those two have shown on the weekend that when they're at their best they've got a, a class gap on the rest and and Banyol wasn't at their best against Thomastown but found a way to win on the weekend there was no Brent Stanton but everyone else just stands up. I mean, to be 11 goals to one in front is a remarkable effort mm. away from home at the Whittlesea Showgrounds. Mitch Lovell kicked six goals. He was far and away the, the, the best uh, f- big forward on the ground. Six of, of 15 goals there. Ben Embleton's played two consecutive really good games. Scotty Gumbleton played a good one. And also to Tim Martin. So their, their tools are all in form. And Jake Trufelt back in the side and straight into the best. James Chrysoratus, just able to slot back into the side, just kicked the, the one goal. But 
will be you know going down the track. You think he's going going to have big impacts on games. So so they've obviously shown them you know their worth over the opening two months. And I think Altham produced their best game for the year at the weekend and just reminded everyone that you know they are they aren't just making up numbers. They're they're in it to win it. And when their good players play well, Jordan, they are a hard side to beat. And we saw that on Saturday. Well, just firstly on uh, on. A name that you mentioned, Ben Embleton. How underrated is he? I mean, he, we saw him in that game against Thomastown, that remarkable game, and I was impressed by his efforts on the last line of defence, just sweeping up across the defensive 50, springing the attacks forward. Um, he's a player that does not get the credit that he deserves at all. I mean, there's so many big names in that Banyol team, but he's he's a regular key performer for them, and he's he's held his spot for a while that, now in that Bears team, and he's been a great performer for them. Absolutely, and, and looking at, at Altham, I mean, on the weekend, Tim Curry goes forward. Talk about a versatile player. Centre-half back in last year's team of the year, having kicked 10 goals in a game against the Stars. Michael still pulls out on the Friday. Curry shifts forward, kicks five goals, was yeah. in dominant form, but he played well. Brent McCaffer was really good. Uh, still thought that Anton Woods had a, a pretty big impact, and, and Matty Keyes was fantastic down back with the likes of Darcy Valance and, and Adam Brovadani. But if you've got Tim Curry, Brent McCaffer and Anton Woods in good form, Eltham's always going to be a pretty hard side to beat. I had fun watching and calling that game, even though it was um, sort of pretty clear that, that Eltham were the, were the better team and were going to win by, by a decent margin, which they did. Um, I still enjoyed watching Eltham. We hadn't hadn't seen them in that sort of form this season when we have called them live. They had uh, a lot of players out at the start of the season in the game against Whittlesea, but um, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I sort of knew, I think most of us sort of knew that Eltham were playing really sort of under the weather a little bit in, in the front half of the year with, with the numbers they had out. Uh, and we knew that they were going to at least increase a couple of notches with, with the players to come back in. And, and they have, but they've increased in a big way. That was a big win for them on the weekend. And I was super impressed um, by the way they controlled Eltham Central Park, the actual oval itself, and, and the way they just spread the players out. And I, I was I kept harping on about it in the post game. Their defence was incredible. I mean, they suffocated. They strangled Thomastown right out of that game. Thomastown for the entire third quarter couldn't get a meaningful and a clean inside 50 entry and restricted them on the scoreboard. And, and Matt Keyes, who we gave the, the best on ground to, was central to all of that. And he is so important to their structure. Absolutely. They've got defenders who can take intercept marks. Adam Oxley came back and, and played, obviously, from Collingwood VFL. They've still got some good players to come back into the side. There was no um, Lewis Glasgow in, yep. in, in the side at the weekend. He was probably the the biggest name to, to not be out there. But, you know, there's still the likes, potentially, of a, a Daniel Caulfield to come into the side. Um, you know, potentially Tom Rogers, if, if he can, you know, come back after injuring a knee last year. So they've got plenty of talent to come back in. Thomas Town certainly missed the, the running carry of a player like Sal Mamone on the weekend, yeah. Sasporoski in the back half, but they were a shadow of the side that nearly beat Banyul, you know, that, that round prior. I thought about Sal Mamone during the game. He, he'd, he, he'd scored three goals against Banyul a fortnight ago in that, that classic game. Um, they probably just needed someone like him to, to roam around the Ford 50 and, and pick up the ground ball. I think... I think um, Shannon Ball on the day kicked three goals, and he, he's a sort of he's a good marking player, but he's mainly a sort of pick up the ball, run with it, kick a, a running goal sort of sort of guy. And he kicked three goals in in those circumstances because 
they needed that sort of ground ball play. Every time they went inside forward 50, they were looking for the target, but they didn't. They don't have a tall enough target in there. And the one tall target they do have in Jacob Osiduro was being manned out of the game by, by Matt Keyes, and they just didn't have anyone at the fall. Mamone would have been that sort of player. And I think for them, they have to win the midfield battle because they rely on you know quick, direct movement inside 50 without that big, hulking presence. And when Eltham control the midfield battle. Mm. I think that game was, was going to end up going their way. So I think Thomastown didn't put their best foot forward. I still think for mine, when you look at the sides, if we're classing Banyul and Altham at the top, I think at the sides below, I still think Thomastown's the most yeah. capable of, of challenging those two. Absolutely. I still I still love the look of their team. They've got a great midfield in particular, Thomastown. I mean, the forward line might be a little bit small, but they have got goal scorers there. Um, defense is, is pretty decent with Josh Bear and, and Luke Fellows, the key posts back there. I mean, Josh Bear is, in my opinion, one of the, the best key defenders in Division 2 and, and very underrated. Um, uh, but the midfield is, is the one that impresses me the most. When you've got goal-scoring midfielders like Matt Vasilevsky, James Rizzolio, David Fellino, even someone like uh, a pinch hitter like Adrian Natoli and, and Joey Vaccaro, it's a good spread of midfielders and Daniel Chadwick as well, I should mention. It's a good... It's a good Great spread midfield. It's a very deep midfield as well. But Thomastown at the moment are in a crunch part of their season. This three-week stretch they're currently in, they're two games in. They were playing all three of the other top four sides. They started off with Banyul a fortnight ago. They lost that. They got very close, and everyone was impressed by Thomastown. They were the better team on the day, just not in the last quarter. Uh, but they lost that, so they didn't get the four points. They got outclassed by Eltham a few days ago, and now they've got Whittlesey coming up. So they must win. have to win that one, because if they go 0-3 th- and three in that, that three-week stretch against all three of the other top four sides, and they lose all of them, that's 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 a confidence um, depleter for them. And what, what's their mindset going to be heading into finals? Yeah, absolutely. And you look at the way the ladder currently sits. They haven't had a buy, so they're 5-3 and three in third spot. Whittlesey is 4th, 4-3, and three, and Fitzroy Stars 5th, 4-3. and three. So the loser of that one, all of a sudden, I mean, they're likely going to be sitting outside, particularly Whittlesey, you think, if they lose, they're, they're out of the top five. So that's a, a top four, rather. Absolutely massive game. And the other one we haven't really touched on is Diamond Creek, who notched the second straight win. Haven't been overly convincing, but just getting the wins they need. They've got a buy this weekend, but look at their three games thereafter and going to be absolutely telling. They've got the Fitzroy Stars, Whittlesey, Altham and Banyul in consecutive weeks. That is going to tell as to whether they play finals or not, I reckon, in the next month. They'd have to win, you think, at least two of those. I mean, you look at their form in recent weeks, not overly convincing, but getting just getting the wins as, as required. Jai Norman played at the weekend, another dominant game. He is an outstanding nick for the Diamond Creek Footy Club. He's probably held them together throughout the, the opening uh, eight or so rounds of the year. So he's been really crucial, and it, it's also good to see some of their other key players and the likes of, of, of Booth and Barnes also playing decent footy as well. And they snuck one in late at the weekend and playing his first game for the club after crossing from Craigieburn was Dean Limbach, a former Division oh, wow. 1 leading goal scorer. Played at the weekend, kicked the goal, transferred uh, in the middle of the week. So he potentially becomes a really important player in the back half of the year. So big one uh, for, for them after, a big month for them after the bye. Um, speaking of which, they have the bye this weekend, but the other four games, Fitzroy Stars at home to Watsonia, Epping 
at home to Banyul. St Mary's travels to Altham and, and without a doubt the, the key game sees Thomas down at home to the Whittlesea Footy Club. Dean Limbach, has he been he's been playing in the bush, hasn't he? Uh playing to, no just other local leagues actually as oh, well. Right, so yeah. uh Craig Gibbon more recently. I think he spent some time in the Eastern Footy League as well. Correct, uh, that's right. But yeah. uh yeah, he uh is back and uh yeah, really big addition for their club. I think he might actually spent one year in the uh, around the Murray League as well, but uh Massive inclusion for them if he can find the, the goal-kicking form which uh, he produced at Montmorency going back, you know, four or five years. So that's the the wrap of A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2. We'll go to a short break. On the other side of this, we'll have a look at Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. The Meadows Conference and Event Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, the Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. We now bring things home with a look at Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 at the weekend. Probably the most telling result took place at Heidelberg Park where Heidelberg West 11-8-74 went down to South Morang 12-13-85 elsewhere in round 9. Reservoir 4-4-28 was no match for Panton Hill 19-15-129. Kilmore continued its winning run 17-7-109 defeating Old Altham Collegians 11-4-70 and Laylor 5-16 46 went down to Mernda, 14 goals, 11.95. Some interesting results there. The biggest one, Jordan, coming from Heidelberg Park, which has now seen South Morang jump back inside the top four. That's for the first time since round one, a perennial finalist, and they've taken Heidelberg West's place in the top half of the ladder. The Hawks, after starting five and zip, have lost their past three and are now outside sitting in fifth. But uh, it's an interesting game because South Morang comfortably ahead during that game there at half-time, led by greater than five goals, 34 points in front, went behind in the last quarter, managed to kick the last three. It actually reversed the last time the sides played back in round three where Heidelberg West came from more than 30 points down to actually win the game. This time they fought back but couldn't hold on. Telling result for South Morang. Absolutely. I think um, I think pre-season predictions we normally had... Uh, most of us, I think, had South Morang up in the top four. But as the seasons progress, I think our um, our uh, interpretation, I guess, of the Lions has been that maybe they aren't as uh, quite there yet compared to some of the other teams. But but they're now starting to turn it back around to what we initially thought, and they are climbing back in towards the top four. I didn't think it was going to be at the expense of Heidelberg West, though. I thought this was really their season. They were going to make their mark. Not to say they haven't. We're halfway through the season, and they're only two points outside the top four with um, have, with uh, South Morang having had that draw. Um, but it is a little bit of a concern, though, for, for Heidelberg West because their season is now stagnating. They've lost the last three in a row after winning the first five in a row. So they've gone from being in, in great form and beating some some good teams in the front half of the season. As you mentioned, they beat South Morang. They got past Mernda as well. Um, but now they've had losses to the two heavyweights in Panton Hill and Lorimer. And now that, um, I suppose, the, the after effect of that is they've gone in with not great form against South Morang. They've lost that game as well. Uh, they've got Mernda again in the next round. So uh, a few concerns maybe starting to bubble around around the Hawks and, and where they're at because they're a team, I, I, I guess their their mental resolve at the moment is still 
um, a bit fragile or, or hasn't quite built up yet because they're not a team used to being in the top four. They're not a team who are familiar with being a finals contender, so they haven't quite got that hard edge about them just yet uh, under a new coach as well this season, so some things have would evidently have changed. Um, but that's something they need to try and develop quickly because this is the best opportunity they've had in a long time, Heidelberg West, to make the finals. And you look at a side that's in a similar position to them being Kilmore. They're able to now string wins together. Won the last three. They're actually four of the last... Uh, in fact, five of the last six, I think they've actually won Kilmore. You know, I'm going to correct myself again. Six of the last seven because they lost in round one to South Rank. So they're suddenly um, becoming a side that's getting closer and closer to that elusive finals place did what they had to over the weekend against Old Altham Collegians. They're getting a really good spread of uh, of contribution from, from their playing group, but I think in particular, we've mentioned them countless times in recent weeks, but Chris Ryle, since going into the midfield, is in great form. We talked to Nathan Phillips a few weeks ago, and he mentioned that once Riles moved into the midfield, they just had more creativity in their play. Jackson Kinnear's in good form. He kicked four goals at the weekend. Jeremy Topham, again, amongst the best players. Steve McIntyre comes in. So they're starting, you look at that, you've got backmen in good form, midfielders and, and, and key forwards as well. So they did what was required. Old Altham Collegians, they're a good honest side. I think their their actual record in terms of wins and losses doesn't do them justice. One win, yeah, a no. draw, and six losses. But they really challenged. And they were only 15 points down, remembering that... The Panton Hill Footy Club only kicked three goals at Kilmore prior to Queen's birthday, yet Old Altham really took it up to, to Kilmore for the best part of three quarters and, and faded late. But um, for Kilmore now, I guess if, if you talk about Heidelberg West, if they need inspiration as to you know how do you become that side that comes from beneath to potentially become a real finals contender, uh, I think they look no further than Kilmore. On South Morang, they've just got a knack of playing close games of footy. Um, their record now is 5-2-1. and one. Percentage isn't great, due largely to the fact that they were absolutely smashed by Panton Hill early in the season. But if you look at round one, won by a kick against Kilmore coming from behind, lost to Heidelberg West by five points, drew with Old Altham, had a six-point win over Laylor, <laughs> and now have beaten Heidelberg West by 11, having kicked the last three goals. I mean, it's amazing how close the game seemed to be, the exceptions probably being, obviously, the loss they had at Panton Hill, um, a big win over Reservoir, and then Mernda, who they beat by 22 points, which is still a relatively mm-hmm. close enough game. But all of a sudden, the ledgers starting to, to balance out for South Morang, 5-2-1, and one, and playing the kind of footy that we've come to expect from them for, for quite some time. Four wins on the trot, and now suddenly, after sitting as low as seventh on the ladder, they are looking very much a, a final threat. And they are the, the opposite to what I spoke about with Heidelberg West. They are a team, South Morang, who do have finals finals experience, who do have uh, a track record of, of, of winning those clutch games, as you, as you said there. Uh, they've had a couple of close results this season, 3-1-1 one, and one from games decided by less than uh, two goals. Um, and uh, even though they've had a, a bit of a personnel change uh, in this, the off-season just gone and they've had to change around a bit of their team, a lot of the, the players, a lot of players from last season do remain. So South Morang are a team who do have that hardened edge about them and when, when push comes to shove and they need to get the crucial win, 
they do have the ability to do that more so than, than Heidelberg West, and we probably saw that on the weekend, and we'll probably continue to see that, especially when we get towards the uh, the, the run home in the last month of the year. But South Morang, yeah, never underestimate South Morang. I mean, there's been multiple seasons in the past where we've gone, oh, this might be the year South Morang drops off. Oh, this, you know, South Morang have lost this key player or that key player, and da da da, and they, this might be. But they never do. They always make finals. And also an important win for Mernda, only 10 points up at halftime. They got over Layla. Really good percentage means that Mernda's still in the mix in sixth spot. Three wins, five losses, but percentage is actually better than South Rang in fourth. So there's still a chance if they can win those real crunch games in the back half of the year. Um, and then Panton Hill did, I guess, as expected against Reservoir with a win there, 101 points. Key question to come out of the round. Mer- who- sorry, Mernda's... Next couple of games are pretty tough, though. Heidelberg West, that's going to be a crucial game. Then South Morang, then Panton Hill. Well, I mean, you'd have to win. They'd probably have to win all three of those, to be perfectly honest, given they're two games back. But in particular, Heidelberg West and South Morang, they just can't lose those yeah. games because you're not picking up the points, but you're also giving them a victory as well. A, a mini head-to-head from the weekend. Who took the better mark? Ty Hall <laughs> in the dying stages against uh, the Heidelberg West Footy Club or Matty Campbell at Layla? Both, if... You'll see them through the NFL website. They've already been on the highlights, the match highlights for, for each of those two individual games. Huge marks, yeah. as good as one another. We have to get off the fence and try and pick which one was better. I I like the Matt Campbell one from Mernda. I think that was great. I mean, Ty Hall, he got up pretty high. That was a great mark. But I don't know, Matt Campbell, he was... It just felt more aerial, more acrobatic. He was... He, he came from a, a fair way behind as well. He had a fair run up at it and had to really launch himself and then went sprawling mid-air, limbs flying every direction, and he held the mark on the way down as well. I mean, he, they got some serious air, but I, I like the uh, the Matt Hall, uh, Matt Campbell one just for the... Um, probably the, the unorthodox nature of it. Didn't look like a classic specky, but it was a good one. Yeah, he didn't look like he was balanced and somehow falling over the pack still held on you yeah. know, in the hands as well, not in the chest. Ty Hall's was huge. I love the timing of his as well. Scores level deep in the last quarter. Yeah. <laughs> the audacity to go for the mark. Absolutely huge. Love a chat to his coach and, and father, uh, Gary Hall, in a few moments' time as well. But before we do that, just a quick look at what's to come this week in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. Panton Hill is at home to Laylor. Kilmore will look to continue its winning run away to Reservoir. Really big game at Mill Park Lakes Reserve. Huge. South Morang versus Lorimer. Yeah. Local rivals. Plenty at stake there. South Morang have to prove themselves against the top two now. They've had some, some key wins. They've beaten both Kilmore and Heidelberg West now. Can they take on one of the top two and beat them? We know that they didn't match up at all against Panton Hill earlier in the season. So this is a big test, but they are in great form. Lorimer coming off the bye as well. A two-week break for them, Queen's birthday and the bye. Many of their young guns actually played under-19s footy at the weekend just to get some continuity. So we'll see whether that holds them in good stead. And then the one that's equally important at Waterview Recreation Reserve, Mernda at home to Heidelberg West. The last two, I might see... If we can put a tip in for those two, <laughs> South Morang, Lorimer. For mine, I'm still tipping Lorimer. I haven't yeah. given me any reason not to pick them this year. I'd love to pick the underdogs. I feel like they're, they're coming in, especially South Morang, in some pretty decent form. Um, but Lorimer this season, they are one of the, the, the heavyweights of uh, Division 3. They've been putting some great scores on the board, and I just don't know how South Morang are going to um, deal with Lorimer's big three pillars up front with uh, Jackson Cecil and Dallas King and uh, and Williamson as well, Josh Williamson, who have been scoring freely this season. That's going to be a massive challenge for them. So I'll go to Lorimer away. 
really tempted to pick Mernda because this is a game they will be getting up for against Heidelberg West. And the Hawks, as I said, 0-3. and three. I, I mean, almost by default, I would pick Heidelberg West just because I think from the first through the first eight weeks of the season, they've had a, a, a good run despite the last three weeks. But I don't know. I might go an upset. I might go Mernda. Yeah, it's an interesting one because you think if... if it's probably an even even game now. I think yeah. both sides equally desperate. I, I think Heidelberg West's best is better. I just think they've got more scoring prowess through, yep. through Kyle Hewitt. Um, I think they'll be burning from the loss they had at the weekend to, to start it so slowly, to then hit the front, and you th- probably think you're home, and, and then to concede the last three late at home. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like they might get the win, but that that's a, a crucial game. For Moon, if they lose, I don't think they can have a tilt at the finals. They win, and, and suddenly they're right in the calculations. Um, South Marang certainly will have one eye on that one, knowing that um, if, if they don't get the result themselves, that a Heidelberg West win would, would knock the Lions out of the four. Because if Heidelberg West get that win as well, it's fifth versus, fifth versus sixth, but... Heidelberg West win that, and suddenly there's a what a three game gap that yeah. opens up. It's a long way back. Too much, and and that's as we're now entering the second half of the year. On the goal kicking front, just one last one. Josh Williamson obviously didn't play at the weekend. He's on 34 goals for the year. Of course, Reese Boyden and Matty Byron both played in the win over the Reservoir Football Club. Matty Byron is having some kind of year. Mm. Um, he kicked another f- five goals in that one there, so he's up to 28. Boyden's on 33 goals. He only kicked the three, so Williamson still leads. But the race for the goal-kicking award, you can probably throw Sam Rexepi in there. He's on 26, and Kyle, you were a bit further back on 23, but that's going to be pretty lively in the, the back half of the year, so one um, to keep an eye on. Massive weekend coming up. We do hope you enjoy your weekend of NFNL action. Jordan, thank you for joining us. Finishing the program, he's the coach of South Morang, Gary Hall. Gary, I'd imagine the clubs are pretty content with the way they're currently positioned now, back inside the top four for the first time since round one. Had a bit of a scare against Heidelberg West on the weekend, but eventually rallied to, to take a, a really important win. Can I just get your thoughts on, on the game up against the Hawks on Saturday? Yeah, it was a, another thriller. Um, we've had a few this year so far. Uh, probably good for the supporters, but not good for the coaching staff. So. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that no, was good. The boys dug deep when they needed to at the end. We got a good start. Uh, they fought back. And as we played them earlier uh, in the season, the same sort of thing happened, and uh, the boys knew that, and uh, they really dug deep. Uh, the first time around, I think we had one on the bench, and on Saturday we had you know finished with four fit players on the bench, which helped us really run out the game. And... Uh, yeah, we finished strong, which was really good. You mentioned, obviously, um, similar to, to last time, the way the game played out. You're obviously 34 points up at halftime uh, this time around. Did you you make mention of the fact that when you played them, I think in round two or round three, you were a similar margin in front and, and they overran you. Did that come up at, at all during your, your halftime address? Oh, yeah, for sure. They had, All through the week, we, we spoke about it. It's, it. it sort of happens a bit, especially when you've... Uh, Got so many uh, young under-19s in. I think we've been averaging about five uh, in each week at the moment uh, due to you know, just re- uh, injuries and just just good form. We've got plenty of numbers in the 19s, so to give them an opportunity and uh, you know, they sort of switch off a little bit too. So you've got to try and keep them focused, but we haven't really played a, four, a solid four-quarter game all year yet. 
The the game itself, obviously, you went behind in in the last quarter. I mean, a pretty resilient effort to you know be thirty four points up, go behind, and still manage to kick the last three goals. I'd imagine you'd be pretty content with the I guess the the mental aptitude the side showed to to be able to to get back on top and, and win a game that potentially had slipped out of your grasp. Yeah, that's right. We uh, we threw the big guns in there with uh, Shelt with Luke Shelton and uh, Brownie in there and uh, and Ty. Uh, just our main on ball is just bigger bodies because they're such got, uh, with Colson there being such a good ruckman. Um, yeah, you've got to have your best boys in there. They're, they're pretty big, solid boys in their, their midfield group. So we threw our big boys in there and it, um, yeah, it worked out. You, you sort of get the clearance, you know, especially on that ground there. You get the clearance, big long kick into the forward line. You, you know, you're going to put pressure on. So we got those last two or three clearances, which were really good. Ties mark in the final stages. Did you teach him that one? <laughs> I'd like to say I, I did, but uh, yeah, he he done the same thing last year down the other pocket. There took a, a big screamer there too. So uh, a few of the boys are kicking really bad. Him in particular, and, and uh, Alex Kalides down there. He, he usually uh, never misses, and he kicked um, one four, I think. So it put a lot of pressure on us earlier in the game, missing those shots. So, um, yeah, they stood up and, and kicked them when we really needed them to. The, the year so far, I, I know you had that really really telling win in, in round one or so, we thought, when you came from behind against Kilmore. But then it was followed by a couple of losses, obviously a heavy one up against Panton Hill. But they've, they've really responded. I think it's now four wins on the trot. You've talked about the close games as well, but... You'd have to be pretty pleased that after you know maybe a month, you know things weren't looking great in terms of a run towards the finals. But the way they've been able to respond in, in recent weeks, you must be really happy with with that response. Oh yeah, for sure. But I think uh, anyone that's played up at Kilmore, you wouldn't underestimate. They're just really hard to beat up there. So you know, any any win, you, yeah, it's it's great. So uh, we like to play them early up there and. Uh, just before the cold and the snow hits in later <laughs> on in the year. So, uh, yeah, we get away with that win, which was good. But then uh, we had a really, really bad run with injuries and not just like soft tissue ones. We had, I think, four boys had fractured fingers, two shoulders, two fractured wrists. So they're sort of like four to eight, maybe even ten-week injuries. So that really set us back. And they've and we've only just started getting a couple of them boys back now, so that's why I've had to use so many nineteens and give them the opportunity and bring them through as well. So, um, you know, just to hang in there and just keep winning those games. That's why the games have been so close. Just just with the young boys coming in and and uh, but yeah, as I said, there's there's talent up there and uh, we've been finding a way to win, which is really good. So you probably want. Those tight games, you get more out of a tight game than what you do with a, a blowout, that's for sure. You learn a lot more. You've also obviously had to, in, in recent years, just overcome a, a few of your, your key players you know, going to higher levels of footy. Obviously, the likes of you know, uh, Capici, Steele, um, also Caruso as well. It's obviously a testament to the oh. club's junior program that you can still keep um, finding ways to, to stay in the top half of the ladder despite some of your better players going off and, and playing at, at higher divisions. Well... Since the 17th, since the grand final, I've lost a dozen of quality senior players, the Buckleys and Johnsons and yeah, Watsons, and it just rolls on. Caruso's, 
to Peachy. It just goes on and on. So that's right. So just the, the beauty of uh, having really um, good juniors is we can keep producing, you know, three or four to come up and, and take those positions. But you sort of set back a little bit at the same time because you sort of go back through the, you're sort of starting again all your plans and, you know, all your game plans and everything. You've got to sort of go back over them again and refresh them. So in that way, it sort of sets you back a little. But, um, yeah, we're just lucky we've got the talent there because otherwise, we, you know, any club loses, loses a dozen blokes, you know, that you're going to be in trouble. Big game, obviously, coming up this weekend. You host Lorimer. Obviously, your, your previous game against one of the, the big two in, in Panton Hill didn't end that well, going down by a pretty significant margin, to, to say the least. But obviously, it's a, a oh, massive yeah. game coming up against the side that is playing outstanding footy and hasn't lost a game in, in 2019. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, we usually match up quite well against them. Uh, so, yeah, the boys are going to be have to be switched right on and uh, they're looking forward to the challenge, that's for sure. And uh, I guess it's really a big two weeks, I guess, so to speak, because you follow that up with a game against Moondra, and as we know, games between South Ring and Moondra are generally pretty, uh, pretty, pretty <laughs> close as well. You, you got the the wood the last time the sides played in round five, but really the next fortnight could really shape your, your run at the finals this year. Well, yeah, you just got to you just got to beat those sides below you now, and then as you said, it's the same. You can see it in Division One and Two. If you're not on your game on a day, anyone can beat anyone. So. You really got to uh, knuckle down. I think we've got about seven, you know, really games. We've got to string along in a row now. So, um, yeah, you just can't afford the drop off. You just got to just find a way to win and, and get there. And hopefully everyone's fit and fire and ready to go at the right time of the year. Well, Gary, we appreciate your time. Obviously, well done on the win at the weekend and really the, the last month of footy, which has, uh, has seen the side move back inside the top four. Wish you all the very best in this week's game against Lorimer. Thanks very much. Appreciate it.